We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out that description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com. Dot com slash join. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is the esteemed Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher here at irishbreakdown.com. And we are here today uh, to continue our talk of Alabama and Notre Dame playing in the semifinal of the college football playoff. Uh, We've, we've put a lot out there already, uh, a lot of exciting stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, a breakdown material over at irishbreakdown.com. From, but from a podcast standpoint, we broke down Notre Dame's offense versus Alabama's defense, the Notre Dame defense versus the Alabama offense. Yesterday, or earlier today, we did uh, a podcast on what we believe the keys uh, to success are for the Notre Dame offense versus the defense of the Crimson Tide. So this podcast, if for those of you that are playing along, uh, is the keys to success for the Notre Dame defense against the Alabama offense. Now, this is a little bit of a different podcast than we had last time. Uh, there are still pathways to success uh, for this Notre Dame defense against this offense, but the uh, you know we talk about splitting hairs and, and having success 
this is there's no more hair splitting than there will be here when we're talking about this Alabama offense versus the Notre Dame defense. And remember, the Alabama, I mean, the Notre Dame defense is an elite defense. There, there is no question about the elite uh, status of this Notre Dame defense, but they are playing an elite offense, Brian, uh, in Alabama. Yeah, this is the good on good debate, right? Like this is the good on good breakdown of this game. And Notre Dame has been really good on defense this year, but Alabama has been the best offense in the country. Right. And we've seen Notre Dame play really three elite offenses to varying levels because I kind of count Clemson as two different offenses because the one that they faced without Trevor Lawrence is, is a really good top 10 offense. The one they face with Trevor Lawrence is a top three to four offense, right? Right. And then, of right. course, you have North Carolina. <clears throat> and they've had varying levels of success in each game. I think the success against uh, Clemson the first time was good. Not great, but good. You know, you gave us a big plays. You also made some big plays. Phenomenal against North Carolina. And then yeah. poor again in the second North Carolina game, or Clemson game, at least in the first half. I thought they settled down and played better in the second half. But even then, they weren't great in the second half. You know, now it's your playing the best defense that you faced all year, and it presents a different challenge than some of those other teams. You know, it's, you know, against Clemson the last time you played, you had a quarterback that could do the RPOs, he could run, he could, you know, get scrambled, could do all those kind of things. This is more of a pro-style offense as opposed to Clemson, which is more of a spread, traditional college spread offense. So it really presents different challenges. And, you know, I think the, the, the interesting thing is when you're in a game like this, Vince, how do you judge success for a defense? And I think it's a lot harder than, than when you're playing normal games. You know, when you're playing most teams, it's – if your defense plays great, they hold a team to 17 or less points. That's what the great defenses do, right? Uh, against a team like Alabama, it's not holding. I mean, if, if Notre Dame holds Alabama to below, to below 28 points, then Notre Dame needs to give Clark Lee like a $5 million bonus on his way out the door to Vanderbilt. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that would be just such a tremendous job of coaching. And, and I would say that you're going to see a Notre Dame win, um, yeah. you know, and so it would just be a brilliant, brilliant job of coaching and playing and executing by the players. So what's the goal? The goal is to make enough stops to give your offense a chance to win the game. Sure. That's how you beat, that's how you beat uh, Alabama. And if you can make a lot of those stops early, that's even better. So, you know, this is a game where if you can keep Alabama in the 30s, you, you've kind of done your job and, that, and you've given your team a chance for success. And so that's what this is going to look like for Notre Dame. Again, right. not a game where you're going to say, okay, can you win a 17 to 13 game? If Notre Dame's going into this game thinking it's going to be 24 to 21 or whatever, they're out of their minds. You know, <laughs> this is a game where <clears throat> it's going to be a shootout. And that's what, that's what playoff games have been for sure. every year I mean you have to score points to win on this level which is the point we've been making and I don't care how good your defense is you know Clemson had great defenses in 2015 and 2016 and gave up 45 and 31 points to Alabama Alabama's had great defenses for years they gave up 40 35 and 44 points to Clemson in three of their four matches right you know uh the 24 to 7 game that they had in 2017 was an anomaly and that was because they had Kelly Bryant at quarterback and you know that they didn't have the great quarterback. So um, that, that's what it is, Vince, is they're going to have to be at their best, but their best is going to look different against Alabama than it's going to look against a lot yes. of other teams. Uh, that, that's absolutely correct. And uh, I, I'm, I'm real interested to see how Notre Dame comes out in this game and, and how they approach this Alabama offense because we've talked about it before, you know, the three-headed monster and Devontae Smith and Mac Jones and Najee Harris. I mean, that that's a tough threesome to go against. And – all three of those guys finished in the top five of the Heisman voting. So, I mean, th- these guys are legit. They're, there's no question about it. So how is Notre Dame going to respond? Who do they plan to take away? How, what does that look like? You and I are going to have a discussion about that a little bit later on. Uh, but before we get into 
some of our big picture uh, keys to this game, we need to hear from one of our sponsors, and that is Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, and that's according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. According to Comscore, 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, welcome back, Irish fans. And it is time to lay it out on the line, Brian, and, and what we think is going to be the key to this Notre Dame defense being successful against this Alabama offense. And again, you, out, you laid out what success looks like for Notre Dame. Uh, it, it's going to be different than if they're playing Syracuse or even North Carolina, for that matter. Uh, they dominated North Carolina. That was a, a very impressive performance, no question about it. Uh, so success looks different. So knowing that, going in, what is your first key to success for this defensive unit uh, led by Clark Lee? It's going to be very similar to the one we had on offense, and that you have to play great up front. It, it means – you know, being physical at the point of attack, using your athleticism to your advantage. You know, physicality doesn't mean you take on and two gap. You know, physicality can be also what you do when you're shooting gaps. I mean, you can't shoot a gap and be quick and then get pushed three yards out of the way because then you're going to get beat. You know, so being physical, being strong at the point of attack, getting penetration, yeah. being disruptive, uh, and, and winning at the point of attack has to be a, a, a snap after snap thing. It can't be a uh, an occasional thing where you get a pressure here and there, or you make a stop here and there. It has to be a, from snap one to snap 75, whatever the case may be, you have to win those battles. And that means being gap sound. That means not getting pushed off the ball, resetting the line of scrimmage in your favor. It means getting pressure on Mac Jones in the pass game. It means, you know, slowing down the running game. It means forcing the running backs to make early cuts. If Najee Harris is having to make cuts behind the line of scrimmage, that's a positive for Notre Dame. Absolutely. The sooner he makes cuts, the sooner the, the linebackers and safeties can rally to the football and, and make stops for short gains. And that's where Notre so, Dame is good. Their, their, right. their linebackers and safeties rally to the football. That's where right. – that's playing to Notre Dame's strength at that Exactly. That exactly. It means the defensive end setting the edge at a high level. It means the tackles, you know, uh, getting pushes up the middle. It means the linebackers being able to run free and, and, right. and fly to the ball. I mean, that's what it looks like. It's an all-encompassing thing, and it involves, you know, again, the defensive line has been the bread and butter go-to best part of this defense for several years now. 
Sure. And in order to win games, what we said on offense is your best unit has to play like your best unit. And it's the same thing is true on defense. Your best unit has to play like your best unit, and that means that they have to win the battles up front. Bama's huge. They're big and strong, Vince. You sure. see it. Average over 330 pounds. Oh, yeah. You know, Myron Tungvaloa said that he likes it that way because he can win with pad level. He can win with quickness. And that's where Notre Dame has to do it, and that's going to come down to game plan. If they're going to ask Kurt Heinisch to, you know, anchor in two-gap and take on double teams against Alabama's massive guards, then that's just a coaching failure. You know, it doesn't mean you don't do it at times depending on the call, but you have to use your strengths against their, you know, areas where they're not as strong. And this is an, this is an Alabama offensive line that's big and physical but not as athletic as the Notre Dame defensive line, and they have to take advantage of that. Well, and, and that, you kind of led me into where I, what I wanted to ask you uh, about this this group up front. Now, we, we know that this 2020 group is better than the 2012 group that played Alabama. That, that was one of the, the glaring weaknesses for this Notre Dame team was in the trenches. Alabama just beat the snot out of Notre Dame in the trenches. So we, we know that that spot's better. Can Notre Dame go toe-to-toe with Alabama just straight up, base stuff, straight up, you know, mano y mano with Alabama. See, I have a I have a somewhat different of opinion difference of opinion on that first part of the question. Okay. okay. I actually think if you go back and watch the 2012 game, I thought the Notre Dame defensive line held up well. If you think about all the missed tackles at the line of scrimmage that Manti and Zeke Mata and Dan Fox had in that game, those are coming at the line of scrimmage because the defensive line is eating up the blocks. I thought Capron Lewis Moore played well till he got hurt. I thought Tuit played a solid. I mean, they weren't great, right? But they were right. good. The problem was the linebackers, and then they were just beating Notre Dame with the pass game down the field. Yeah. So I felt the run success had a lot more to do because remember that defensive line was about eating up blocks and allowing your linebackers to run free and sure. get to the ball. The linebackers were running free that game. They were just blowing. They were just missing tackles and they were just getting beat. Okay. Um, where Notre Dame had a significant disadvantage, I think, was on the other side of the ball. I think this – and I think the other thing, too, is Notre Dame's strength in 2012 played into Alabama's strength in 2012. That's where I think Notre Dame got hurt, where Notre Dame was big and physical and Alabama was bigger and physical. Yeah, right. And I think that hurt them a little bit because the defensive line played well, but they didn't play great because they couldn't make sure. plays. And they had sure. been making plays all year. That So that's – this team, to me, is more of which strength – wins is it Alabama's size and physicality or Notre Dame's athleticism that's the question uh and Notre Dame has to have a game plan that allows their athleticism to carry the day that's what we need to see and you know look Alabama's a way better offense than Georgia okay so please don't think I'm comparing them to Georgia because their pass game is so much better but I thought Notre Dame's offensive line has played really well the last two times or defensive line has played really well the last two times they've played Georgia. And Georgia's been similar to Alabama in a big, physical, southern offensive sure. line. Sure. And I think Notre Dame has, has effectively used their athleticism to be disruptive. That has to happen again to slow down the run game. They're going to have to be disruptive. Now, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with the pass game, but if they can use their athleticism to their advantage, I absolutely think they match up well. If this becomes a – a physical one-on-one or two-on-one double team, our size against your size, Notre Dame's going to get killed. Right. But that's not who Notre Dame is. And I don't and I don't think Clark Lee is going to ask his defensive line to do that, unless he's doing it in a way where it's like, let's just crash into the garden center because we're bringing Drew White or Jeremiah Wusu right behind it on a stunt. That's a different story. Right. Um, you know, and there will be some of that. <clears throat> but that can't be what you do for 60 minutes. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, you know, I know you had mentioned uh, when you started bringing up your keys is that you want to mix up the looks. What, what does that look like to you uh, from a mix up the looks standpoint? Is it, is it shifting the def- defensive line pre-snap? Um, is it putting, you know, linebackers up on the line of scrimmage and then dropping them or bringing the, what does that look like to you? Yeah. And that's, that's my number two key. And, and it's really, it's a, it's an all encompassing thing, Vince. Number one, the first thing I think of when mixing up my, my looks is, is, is tendency breakers, you know, mm-hmm. is, is looking at who you are as a defense. You've had now an extra week to prepare for this. And what I think coaches should spend their time on first, the first week is let's look and make sure we haven't fallen into any, any, uh, discernible uh, tendencies yeah right right. absolutely self-scouting right where they know on first and ten we you know in this part of the field we like to do this okay so do some things where you know you can bait Alabama hey look we know Alabama likes to take these shots we know that we we have our tendency in a defense that they that that they're going to want to take a shot in so let's show that but then at the snap we we confuse him or you just show a different look that he's not prepared for and make him think like oh well I was expecting to see this but now I'm seeing that and I'm not sure what to do and it all that's what it all revolves around and then there's obviously the the what you're actually doing at the snap you know there's and this is where Notre Dame has been so successful as a defense you know we I talked last night with Darren Pritchett at WSBT Sports Beat where you know, I said that, that Notre Dame doesn't have to put 8-9 in the box to defend the run because they're so athletic on the back end that they can have Kyle Hamilton come from distance and still defend the sure. run like as effectively as, as most safeties can do it when they line up in the box. So, you know, use him in that way. You know, make it look like he's playing off coverage and then fill. Make it look like he's playing in the box and then have him jump underneath the post route. You know, things like that. Use your athleticism to your advantage from a coverage standpoint because – Alabama's going to make some big plays in this game. It's just going to happen. But you need to be able to create enough confusion with the quarterback to where he's going to make mistakes. And, you know, Alabama loves to throw quick game on third and short and third medium, right? You see it, Fence. You broke down the film. Notre Dame likes to blitz on third down. So look like you're bringing a cover zero blitz. You know, give give a straight up look where you know you're, you're, you basically want to bait Devontae Smith into a slant route, you know, essentially kind of thing. And then at the snap, you drop eight. And hopefully Mac Jones throws to one of those dropping defenders. I mean, those are the kind of mistakes that you need to force them into. Sure. And I think of, look, Tua Tungavaloa did not make a lot of mistakes in college. He rarely turned the ball over. What was the game-changing play in the 2018 title game? It was Clemson baiting him into a quick out throw that they then had a corner there sitting on it. A.J. Terrell, he picks it off, runs it back for a touchdown. Those are the kind of game-changing mistakes because Clemson did a great job in that game of mixing up their looks and showing them things that they weren't expecting. Sure. Notre Dame needs to do some of that to where they can force enough mistakes and mistakes don't always have to be Vince turnovers. You're not going to, you're not yeah. going to force five turnovers. If you can get one or two great, but it's more about forcing incompletions on first and second down, of course, forcing incompletions on third down, getting them off the field to where, or when they get in the red zone, that's where you really buckle down and force field goals. If you can make this a field goal game, you're going to have a chance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean is just creating as much uncertainty. And then, the final piece to me, too, Vince, is something that you brought up when we were talking about our show, which is, you know, this, this mixing up the looks is going to then set up Notre Dame for an opportunity that's also going to be important. And that was your point that you made, and I'll let you kind of explain that, how the two, my first two points really tie yep. into what you think is a big, big key in this game. Well, you, you talked about controlling the line of scrimmage, right? And you talked about mixing up the looks in order to control the line of scrimmage. And, and I think that all comes down to putting pressure on Mac Jones because in all the film that I watched, 
he is he's an excellent passer when you give him time and and 99 of the time he's got all the time in the world behind that great offensive line for alabama the, the problem is when he when people do get pressure on him so when georgia got pressure on him or when Ole miss got pressure on him or, or whoever he does not perform well under pressure he, he is not a guy who is going to step up in the pocket in the face of pressure and and dial up a, a, a strong throw he, he's not that guy uh, every time there was pressure in his face, he threw off of his back foot. Um, anytime that there was anything physical nearby him, he went down. I mean, he, he was like your prototypical NFL quarterback who, uh, like, like for example, when, when Reggie White got the, the sack uh, record against Brett Favre, Brett Favre just kind of crumpled into a little mess and, and Reggie White touched his back, right? Like that's what Mac Jones will do. He will go down and just take a sack. Um, now he hasn't done that a bunch because he hasn't had to, he hasn't gotten a bunch of pressure on him, but when he does, he's not good. And when he throws off of his back foot, uh, the balls go at the receiver's feet. Um, he, he generally throws short when that's the case. Uh, he's inaccurate because he when doesn't the have the big arm of a Trevor Lawrence. And this is the point. He doesn't have that great right. arm where he can back foot a shot that Trevor exactly. Lawrence could, could get pressured and still bang a 50 yard post route. Now, or, now or when he 12 yard in cut. When he steps into a throw, right. he's money. Most he, quarterbacks he, do, yeah. Right. But that's your point. He doesn't have that God-given athleticism Correct. or arm strength to be able to make some of those off-platform throws that the, big, that the elite first-round pick-type quarterbacks can make, like and Tua you, could make. Yes, and, and if you remember in the Clemson game, how many times did Trevor Lawrence step out of a sack? Mac Jones isn't doing that, and that's right. the key. Notre Dame got pressure on Trevor Lawrence. They were in his face. They, they had him wrapped up at least two times that I can think of, and he stepped out of it. Mac Jones isn't stepping out of those sacks. So if you can get that kind of pressure on Mac Jones, that's a different story. And then that puts uh, Alabama behind the chains. And look, they're, they're still a dynamic offense. They can convert third and long, okay? But you have to force them to do it. Their name's good on third down defensively. You have to force them into third and longs, and that's how you do it. Mixing up the looks, uh, dominating the line of scrimmage, and getting pressure on Mac Jones. Those are all part and parcel with each other. If you can get in his face, he's going to make mistakes. But that's the thing. There's not a lot of guys going to get in his face this year. Yeah, they're going to convert some third and longs, but they're not going to convert them all. And exactly. that's the point. And, and, right. and that's just – that's the kind of – you make enough stops for them to win the game. I mean, yes. North Carolina converted a third and 18 against Notre Dame. Yes, they did. You know, and they had another third and long converted because of a penalty, you know. so But, but Notre Dame still, more often than not, shut them down in those third and long situations. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think the other thing, to me, that, that factors into what we're talking about, which is dominating up front, winning at the point of attack, mixing up the looks, creating those confusion, because those things also affect the run game. You know, the quarterback may check into an outside zone thinking, hey, we're, we're seeing this look, let's check the outside zone the other way, and then Notre Dame slants right into the outside zone and they blow it up, right? Sure. So it also affects the run game because to get them in the third and longs, it's not just about pressuring him, it's also about creating negatives and, and disruptives sure. in the run game as well. And I think those are the keys. The success on first and second down is a big part of it, but – the, the thing that can neutralize all of that is big plays. Oh, yeah. Now, to me, Alabama is a big, can, can be a big play team, but I don't view them as the same kind of big play team that Clemson has been. Alabama is more efficient this year. They're, they're not quite the throw the ball over your head all the time kind of offense like Clemson is. 
And when you look at the numbers, I mean, Mac Jones has had plenty of downfield shots, but a lot of those downfield shots come off of play action throws, hitting those early down shots. That's why I think stopping the run is so important because I don't think Mac Jones is the kind of quarterback that's going to throw it over your head on third and 12 a whole lot. Yeah, good point. And, and, and that's where I think those, those, those early down things are key. And I think that's why making, you know, limiting big plays is kind of my third big key to this game because you can't have those great first and second down successes and then give up a big play. You know, and, and that's really sure. what – really, if Notre Dame could have stopped the big plays against Clemson, they'd be 3-0 and against – or 2-1 and against Clemson. And then the first loss to Clemson would have been like 21-10 to 10 yeah. as opposed to 30-3. to 3. Uh, You know, but – because that's who Clemson is. They're a big play offense. Alabama can be a big play offense, but they thrive on being efficient. And if you can get them point. out of that efficiency – then I think you, you, can, you can create – again, it's not about holding them to 17 points like you did North Carolina. It's holding them to 34 or 35 or 31. Right. And then maybe your team has a chance to score enough to win the game. And if Notre Dame's defense can hold them into 30s, then, then you got to say they did their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now it's up to the Notre Dame offense to kind of to counter that. But you have to limit the big plays. And that, for me, that's kind of – that kind of falls into three categories, Vince. Number one is from a coaching standpoint, be smart about your matchups. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You leave Sean Crawford in a situation where he could get into one-on-one against Devontae Smith and he gets beat. That is not on Sean Crawford. Nope. That is on Clark Lee and Terry Joseph. Yep. Uh, you know, you know, being smart about, you know, Hey, look, we're not going to leave Clarence Lewis and one-on-ones outside against Devontae Smith all day. Right. We're going to be smart about our matchups as a coaching staff. That's what they have to do. And if that means we're going to give up six, seven, eight yard, nine yard catches, then that's fine. Cause I'll, you know, eventually, you know, maybe you can guess right and make a play. If you make them go on seven, eight, nine yard drives, then you have, that's more opportunities for you to, to make a play. Sure. Right? Absolutely. That, so that's number one. Point number two is obviously you have to execute well because here's the thing about Alabama. Alabama will take every, they are such a well coached football team. And Mac Jones is such a smart quarterback that the two or three times that you make a coverage mistake, yep. they'll burn you. Yep. So you, you have to be precise with your execution. And the third part is you have to make Alabama earn every single yard they get. If they, if they go for 500 yards, they need to have 500 earned yards. And that means you can't miss a tackle two yards down the field that turns into a 12-yard gain. Right. If you got a ch- chance to stop them on first and 10 for a, for a zero-yard gain or a two-yard gain, you got to do it. You can't allow second, potentially second and eights or second and tens to turn into second and fours because you miss tackles. You can't. Right. You have to tackle on the perimeter. You know, if, if, if Devontae Smith catches a ball for 20 yards on you, bring him down. You can't let that 20-yard gain turn into 40. And that's much easier said than done. Oh, yeah. This is a really dynamic after-the-catch offense with, with yep. uh, Alabama's receivers. And that's part of their offense. They're, they're exactly. going to get it out on the perimeter with guys ahead that's of them. That's where their big plays come from. Yeah. And, yep. and, and you have to limit that. You have to be disciplined with your angles. You have to wrap yep. up in space. You have to be smart with your timing. You have to close on, on routes, you know, but you also can't overcommit to quick routes because that's when they hit a slant and go all over your head or hitch and go over your head. So discipline and sound, playing sound football. And if you do that, then you have a chance to keep them down because you're really good. And that's the big thing. And, and Notre Dame did not play a disciplined game against Alabama in 2012. They didn't. That was not – and this is the thing that's often the, the misnomer is like, well, you know, Alabama was clearly a 28-point better team than Notre Dame. They were on that day. But the Notre Dame defense didn't play that day like it did all year. Manti Teo didn't play the way that he's capable right. of playing. Zeke Mata had uncharacteristic missed tackles. And, and that happens. I mean, 
do you think if Alabama and Clemson would have played again a week later in 2018 that Clemson would have again beat them 44 to 16? No. It would have been a different game because that's just what happens. Unfortunately for Notre Dame is they kind of have those games in these moments and they don't get a chance for redemption. And then right. down that's the road when those opportunities remembers. come, yeah. they get beat again like that. Right. So it, it, it's an earned reputation. But, you know, I don't think Alabama is a 20-point better team than Notre Dame if Notre Dame plays their game. That's the thing that I think keeps being missed in this entire conversation is the 20-point spread to me has more to do with what Notre Dame has done in the past and that in pass includes two weeks ago against Clemson, mm-hmm. than it does about necessarily this matchup against Alabama. And that's where I think, I, I think that I think a lot of people are missing the boat. If Notre Dame gets blown out by Alabama, it's because Notre Dame didn't play their game. And yeah, they absolutely. show up again. It's not because they're just a, this team that's just so far away from Alabama from a talent standpoint. I don't buy that. I don't accept that. Um, and, and I think that that's the narrative that bothers me because I don't think that's the real narrative. The whole don't show up in big games narrative, that's true. That's legit. It deserves to be there. But I don't think this, this notion of, well, just Notre Dame just doesn't have the same players. Is there – Alabama has a bunch of five-star linebackers on their roster, right? At least three or four. Would you trade any of them for Notre Dame's three-star All-American, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa? Nope. I wouldn't. He's the Buckus Award winner. He's the right. best linebacker in the country. Right. I would he's, not trade him. He's going to be no. a first-round pick. I mean, yes. you know, with all due respect to, to – to, you know, Justin Aboigby, who is uh, one of the starting ends for Alabama. He was a five-star recruit, I believe. Definitely a top-100 guy. Would you trade him for the three-star defensive end that Notre Dame flipped from Western Michigan, Adi Ogundiji? I wouldn't. <laughs> All right. And the production on the field tells the same story. Right. So, you know, it's a, Notre Dame has the talent to, to be in this game. Do they have the talent to win the game if both teams play their best? No. No, Alabama's a better team than Notre Dame, top to bottom coaching wise in all areas sure but it's not a big gap and Notre Dame has the talent that if Notre Dame can force Alabama into some mistakes that they 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 normally can't make that's where Notre Dame has an opportunity to win this game so uh is it a game that I'd say Notre Dame needs to win it or it's a disappointing season no but I do believe that Notre Dame needs to make this a four-quarter game and I think that they're capable of it and I don't think they have to play out of their minds to do that I think they just have to play their game. Be smart with your game plans, execute, and play your game. I don't think they have to pull a bunch of tricks. Like offensive, I don't think they need to run triple reverse throwback down, you know, tunnel screen. They don't have to do trickeration. No, no. You don't have to do that to score on Bama. Let Javon McKinley be Javon McKinley. Let Michael Mayer be Michael Mayer. But that's the key. It's it's, it's letting them do those things. And And putting them in position to be successful. Right. And I think that Clark Lee and the staff is going to do that on defense, and then it's going to come down to, you know, are, are we able to uh, execute? Yeah. That's going to be the key for Notre Dame. Yep. I, I completely agree. And it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one to watch. There, yeah. there, there's no question about it. Now, you had a couple things, Vince, that I want to get into that I thought were really good points. But before we do that, we have to uh, pay tribute to one of our sponsors, and that is Bet Online. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, we are back. Now, Vince, when we were kind of going over our prep for the show, you, we talked about the points. And the reason that you didn't give your three points while I gave mine is because I thought one of your points deserved to kind of stand alone because I thought it was a great point. And I think it's something that's needed in a game like this. Because one thing I've said is, look, Bama's going to get their points. You're not going to hold mm-hmm. them to 17 points. That's right. And, and to me, that brought up your point, which is how you handle adversity yes. in this game. Right. Because, that, look, that, there's going to be adversity. This is a team that's not used to giving up a ton of points. Um, you know, obviously, they, they gave up a decent amount of points to, to Clemson both times that they, they faced them. Uh, but, but overall, this team is not used to giving up points. And they're going to give up points to Alabama. And real quick, against Clemson, though, again, if you can hold them, Clemson, to, if you can hold Bama to the same number of points you've held Clemson to in regulation of the last three games, that's what absolute. we're looking for. That's, that's giving your chance to, yourself a chance to win. The offense answered the bell in November. They didn't in the other two games. That's exactly. the difference. Yeah. That's and the then difference. that's, and that's, that, that, that's the other key because, look, at, Notre Dame held Clemson's offense to two touchdowns under what they normally do. That, that's a win. That you, you, have, you are successful. Now, no one is going to sit here, Brian or myself, and say that, that Notre Dame played well defensively overall in that second game against Clemson. We're not going to say that. But they mm-hmm. still, even though they didn't play well, they still held Clemson underneath their scoring total for the season. So, you know, that has to be remembered. So when you're looking at this game, things are going to go bad at times against this defense. This Alabama offense is so good, you can't stop them. So there's going to be adversity. How does this defense respond to the adversity? Are they going to have a chance to go to the sideline, regroup, uh, you know, come up with some, some changes and some things that they want to do next time that they're on the field? How do they respond? Do they put their heads down? They're like, man, we just got scored on a two-play drive that, that went 67 yards and a big touchdown and just got the crowd fired up because there's going to be 16,000 people down there. Uh, at Cowboy Stadium or whatever they call that place, Jerry's World. Can they go back out on the field on the next drive and still bring that energy, still you know, want to shut them down and get their offense back out on the field? That is really what I'm going to be keeping an eye on because I think you and I both agree the energy level wasn't fantastic against Clemson in the ACC championship. And 100% it, agree. There's a couple of people that wanted to argue with me. Well, how can you tell what their energy level was? Because this team plays with a swagger. This defense plays with a swagger. And I didn't see that against the in the ACC championship. Now, granted, we're watching on TV, or I was, and you're up in the press box, but I didn't see that. I, didn't I was see the there. Energy. There wasn't yeah. the same energy. There, there yeah. wasn't. It was, yeah. ob- it was obvious early, even when Notre Dame was moving the ball and, and they had that stop. They had a couple moments where we saw energy when they had the pick, but overall, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same energy level. It wasn't the same force. It wasn't the same intensity that we we saw, and that yes. happens sometimes. I mean, that that's going to happen does. sometimes. And I and I get that. And, but this this is a bigger game. This this is not the ACC championship. This is the college football playoff semifinal, and you're playing against the number one team in the country. It shouldn't be hard to get guys fired up for this game. And I, and I know that, that, that Brian Kelly is not a, a fire and brimstone, get guys fired up, pregame talk guy. Uh, he shouldn't have to be in a game like this. This is a game that this is why you play football, is for an opportunity to win the big trophy. And this is an opportunity to do that. So I want to see the energy, and I want to see that energy maintained no matter what's happening 
to keep that energy, to keep that focus, to keep that, um, you know, that swagger. That, that's, if Notre Dame's going to be in any way successful defensively, they've got to play with that swagger. They have to look across the field at the guys in crimson and be like, look, we can play with them and we mm-hmm. can beat them. And that's the swagger I'm talking about. Not a bunch of chirping, right. but just that, 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 that swagger that they need to maintain even when things aren't going to go their way because it's guaranteed that things aren't going to go their way at some point or another during this game. And we've seen it, Vince. I mean, we've seen this defense do that. We saw this defense do that against North Carolina. I mean, North sure. Carolina took their first two drives and just right down Notre Dame's throat. No problem. 14 like, oh, points. Oh, boy. Right, and that was a similarly dynamic offense. Now, I think that offense is a little bit different when you look at the um, – you know, the play of the of the offensive line. But skill-wise, that's a really good offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's a lot of similarities between Sam Howell and Mac Jones. Sure. Uh, Notre Dame responded to that. They made coaching adjustments. And the biggest thing is, is the players, you know, we talked about this after that game, there was no look of panic nope. after the first two touchdowns. It was, okay, we know we didn't do what we needed to do. And we make the adjustments and we go out and make the corrections and then we're going to play. That was the look that you saw from the Notre Dame players in that game. And that's kind of who I'm referring to when I say the we. I'm saying that's their, what they were saying to themselves. And so, sure. you know, e- even in the Clemson game, you know, I mean, they give it big plays to Clemson. And, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about is we didn't talk about, you know, number of sacks, you got to force turnovers. Those t- things to me are all a byproduct of the points it's we arbitrary. made. If you're yeah. winning at the line of scrimmage, if you're creating confusion, if you're – you know, if you're limiting big play, if you're doing those things, that's going to open up opportunities to force turnovers, which are needed, you know, Absolutely. but the turnovers happen because of those other keys. And those, and the other thing is a turnover is one or two plays to win a game. It's about the consistency you do for 60 minutes. And that's why I think that adversity piece you said was so good. And why I want it to be a standalone Vince point is because as you said, they're going to have big plays. You're going to get beat. You're not going to hold Alabama to right. 10 points. Right. Um, you know, so it's about, okay, guys, here's why they scored. We were in a wrong coverage. We're going to make that correction. Or we didn't execute. We'll execute next time. You're going to be fine. And that's why it can't be like if a guy makes a mistake, you don't bring him on the field, scream at him and all that. It's right. make the correction, right? This what I always believed as a coach. I was a very intense practice coach. And I remember watching Urban Meyer early in my career and being like, this guy is an intense flipping dude in practice. And I, some of the best coaches I, I studied were that way. In practice, you're intense. But the one thing I was taught at the beginning of my career by guys who were great coaches was Saturday, the screaming is done. We've seen – and I've heard this about Harry Heastan. Remember how – he was a maniac in practice. Oh, Every yeah. time you oh, see yeah. Harry on the, on the sideline, he, he hardly ever really got that crazy in-your-face screaming because it's like we did all that during the week to prepare you for this moment. Now it's about, it's about corrections. It's about what are we saying – communication what are they doing uh what did what did we do wrong what was the mistake we made how do we got to fix it or yeah. hey they're doing this let's give us problem. it's it's about that and that's what the side that's what all the sideline conversations needs to be about okay what happened hey you know what i bet on the first move okay don't bite on the first move correct it you know and that's that that's that adversity whereas if it comes down to guys getting each other's face you got to make that play you got to do this you got to do that that's how you get beat. That's how Game it snowballs. And it also can't be a thing, too, where in a positive manner, you think, oh, I, I made a mistake. I got to make up for it by, by jumping the route next time. No, that's how you get beat again. Yeah. You know, Stick, you, you got beat. You gave up a 50-yard touchdown, whatever. It is what it is. You can't fix it. Just keep playing ball. Yep. And I think that is so important, Vince. I think you nailed that. That was, such, that was a great point, that you have to be able to take those punches and, and punch back. 
Exactly. You know? And and that's going to be, and you, you, but you can't do that if you're, if you're still thinking about what happened two plays ago. And that's a big point. Yep. And there was another part of it too, is we were, as we were debating the show is, you said the priority number one is stopping Devontae Smith. I did. My stance on Devontae Smith is I think him and Trevor Lawrence are the two best players in college football. That's and I don't think it's accurate. A, I don't think it there's there's really not a debate for third. It's just those two. <laughs> um, and I think if if I you know, I, I think that Kyle, I, I would probably vote Kyle Trask as the Heisman winner because I think the Heisman has kind of become a, also a bit of a a valuable type of thing as opposed to mo- if it was just most outstanding and I'd, I'd probably vote for Devonte Smith since he didn't miss games. Uh, but uh, if you're talking about most outstanding player, he, he, he is in that conversation with Trevor Lawrence. Having said that, I think, and I wrote an article about the sourcebreakdown.com that the number one priority is actually stopping the run. Okay. So I'm going to allow you to make your point about Devonte Smith. And then I'm going to, counter that with i agree with everything you said but and make my <laughs> point <laughs> right so go, go ahead go ahead because i because i think you're i think the point you're going to make and the point you've made to me is spot on but i'm just going to have a different angle sure that's all well i the way i looked at it is i tried to approach this as as a coordinator right if i was the defensive coordinator what am i looking at first and foremost when i look at an offense what i would do uh, and this is what a lot of guys do is they, they figure, okay, wh- who's the best player over there? I can't let him beat me. And, and, and basketball coaches do this. Football coaches do this. Wh- whatever sport you're playing, you can't let that guy beat you. You know, uh, I'm going to walk Bryce Harper four times because I'm not going to let him hit a bunch of home runs. I don't care if there's guys on base or not. I'm going to walk them. Well, it's the same situation for me if I'm Clark Lee. I'm not going to let the best player on Alabama's offense beat me. So I'm going to scheme – to stop Devontae Smith, whether it's uh, bracket him with a safety, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, different looks to confuse him. He's going to get his, don't get me wrong, but I don't want him to beat me, right? I I don't want him to be the difference maker on this offense. So I'm going to scheme to make sure that that doesn't happen. I can't let number six in Crimson beat me uh, by himself. So I'm focusing on him. And then, uh, in my opinion, once I do that, the byproduct is uh, I think that we've been, when I say we, the Notre Dame defense, I think the defense has been very good against the run. And I think one, if they can shut down Devontae Smith, and I, I use the air quotes there because you're not going to completely shut him down. You can slow him down. Mm-hmm. I think the rest of the defense takes care of itself with the run game. I, I think that they can do that without scheming specifically towards stopping the run game. I think they do that anyway. Uh, so – uh, my focus is definitely going to be on Devontae Smith. So the the difference between you and I is you're talking scheme, and I'm looking at it from an execution standpoint. And okay. and I think that that to me, you can't stop Devontae Smith schematically if you're not stopping the run game practically. And what I mean by that, and the thing that I wrote about in, in the article is what I mean. What I don't mean is putting seven eight guys in the box and using your resources to make sure that you stop the run because if you do that Devonte smith's gonna have like 10 catches for like 220 yards it's gonna be insane he's gonna destroy notre dame and john mechie's gonna make big plays too and then Najee harris is gonna make plays out of the backfield because any good defense can stop anyone from running the ball if you want to it's just yeah. about whether or not you're willing to commit the resources to it yeah that's not sense. what i'm talking about i'm yeah. not talking about schematically stopping the run what i'm saying however is Notre Dame will have no chance in this game if Alabama's running the ball effectively. 
if Alabama's going for five yards a pop or more, if they're going for over 150 yards, and when I say over 150 yards, I mean without like one 60-yard run, and then you shut them down after that. I mean just, you know, effectively four, five, six yards on first and second down. If Notre Dame's – if they're doing that, then then they're just going to run it down Notre Dame's throat, and then then Notre Dame's going to have no choice but to commit resources to stopping it's, the run. It's game over And anyway then it's ball game. Point. Yeah. It's... Right. So, to me – you can't stop Devontae Smith until you stop the run game. And I look at it as kind of the difference between Clemson in the November 7th and Clemson in the ACC title game. In November 7th, you know, Clemson got their pass yards. Yes, they Two did. Two for over 400 yards and, and about 400, a little over 400 in regulation. But they couldn't run the ball. And, and you limited the big plays. You only really gave up two huge plays that set up scores. And so then you're able to kind of get them in the red zone. You're able to make them run more plays. That's why you got the forced fumble. It's why you got, you know, actually two forced fumbles. You know, you, you were able to make those kind of plays. In the second game, Clemson was able to be more effective running the football and their quick perimeter screens and those kind of things. And then that set up the big play opportunities. They were moving the chains and setting up the big play opportunities. They were phenomenal on third down against their name in the title game. They were bad on third down. Uh, in the first game, and Trevor yeah. Lawrence was part of that. But the other part of that is they were in so many second and third and longs in the first game because they shut down the run game. Right. In, this, in the rematch, Clemson was getting three, four, five yards a pop in the run game. Now you got Trevor Lawrence in third and four. Now you're screwed because he can run the ball. He can throw the ball quick. He can throw the ball deep. He can whatever. I mean, you've got the whole arsenal. And so to get to the third and longs that you and I were talking about earlier – you have to get Alabama in situations where they just can't run a bunch of seven-man play-action shots down the field. Sure. Or, or they're running on, you know, taking deep shots on second and two or third and two. You have to be able to slow down the run. You have to, you have to take away something, right? I don't think you can take away Devontae Smith without, without committing so many resources to him that it's impossible to stop everyone else. That's my big concern. And and if that's and that is because you're they're going to run the ball in that situation. And so I think that if you can if you can stop the run game with your box, that means your four down linemen, your two linebackers, then you're allowing your safeties to kind of flow as as secondary options against the run. That's going to stop the run game enough to where now you can now you can have the the, the resources to mix up coverages, have Kyle Hamilton maybe spy at times and do those kind of things where now Sean Crawford's being more of an over-top player as opposed to a guy that has to cover people. Yeah. Um, I think that's how you can limit the pass game. Now, you can do things coverage-wise to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to take, you know, Devontae Smith out of here. But my concern, Vince, and, I'm, and I am curious what you think about this thought is, Alabama moves Devontae Smith around so much that if your focus is on stopping him – it's gonna, you're going to get yourself into some really bad situations because then you kind of overreact to how he's moved around and, and Bama can manipulate you. And this is what makes Sarkeesian so good. They can manipulate you into matchups that work for them with other players because mm -hmm. they know you're focused on making sure that there's a, there's a over the top, there's an a, in your face, over the top, and inside help on Devontae Smith. That's how you triple cover a guy. That's how you take a great receiver out. And if they know that, then they can move him around in ways and utilize him in ways that say we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go hit start sending him in motion or putting him in the slot because we know you're gonna then now have Jeremiah Wusu out over him, and now we're gonna beat you on the backside and beat you in the run game. No, I, I mean that's, that makes a lot that's of sense. Kind of yeah, point. I mean that's and that's what a good coordinator does on the other side of the ball. You mm -hmm. you, you look at it and you're like, okay, who's my best player? They're gonna try to take this guy away. 
okay, how do we counter that? And, and, and that's what Alabama does, and they do a really good job of it. And then when you try to, uh, to, to apply yourself to that, and then that's when Devontae Smith beats you. Mm-hmm. So it's, right. like, it's like you're darned if you right. do, you're darned if you don't. And that, right. that's, that's what this Alabama offense right. – that's why they pose such a problem to defenses. Right. And I, and I think that for me, I, I'm not saying that your point is wrong – because I actually I think there is a their merit to adjusting your coverages in a way that you don't let Devontae Smith catch the ball ten times sure. for 180 yards. All I'm saying is, I don't think you can do that until you in, unless you stop the run game with your base defense. Yeah. If they can't stop the run game with the base defense, Devontae Smith is going to go off. I, you know, I think those two things kind of go hand in hand to me. So that's that's where I'm at. You know, and, yeah, and so I, I, I don't think those points contradict each other. I think they kind of build on each other. It's just which one comes first. Mm-hmm. You think it's the Devontae Smith thing. I think it's the run game, but I think they're both true in my opinion. Chicken and the egg? Is that where we're at here? Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I think both are keys. Both are keys. And again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a challenge. It's going to be a battle. Yeah, no um, doubt. And, and it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I'm really curious to see if Notre Dame is, is – you said Brian Kelly's not the big motivator. I, I was trying to ask him this in the press conference the other day, but my question didn't get uh, called upon. And but this is what I want to see is, you know, Brian Kelly is sort of a you know business like guy, and it's it's been a big frustration of mine for years. Is he's just very hey, we're going to do our thing, but you know he's got a, He's he's in a situation now where he's got some opportunities in front of him to really find that little bit dig deep edge for this football team. It's not often that a team as good as Notre Dame is a twenty-point underdog in a game like this, and it's not often that Notre Dame is a twenty-point under, is an underdog. Period. Much less a, a three-touchdown underdog. Yeah. Uh, you know the narrative that he pushed back against. You and I both know Brian Kelly's smart enough to know that why that narrative ex- exists. He, he he's not he he is a great manipulator of the narrative, and that's where Brian is. Kelly is a master at. Is he will he will take. You know, how many times have we heard regurgitated Ian Book's starting record as a quarterback? Oh, he's a winner. How many times has that been regurgitated? Because Brian Kelly has masterfully woven that into the narrative. He's brilliant at that. He's, and I'm being complimentary here. I mean, that's a really smart thing to do. Um, but this time I would like to see him kind of – I don't care about doing it with us. That doesn't matter to me. But with his team, I'm hoping that he's kind of just keep pushing their buttons this is why you're a three touchdown underdog. This is why you're a three. T- no one respects you. This is why we're a three touchdown underdog. What are you going to do about it? And have this team just kind of, you know, just like a caged dog, man. It's it just it, it, you've got him on a leash, and as soon as you let that thing go, man, he is gone. You it's know? written right there for him. I mean, yeah. it, it, the script is there. Mm-hmm. Use it. Use it, man. Yeah. No one thinks you. No one thinks you can be competitive, much less thinks that you can. Yeah. Be, you know, and I and I know that he's not a bulletin board guy, but I take every article I've seen from all these different. I mean, there's a web. Everyone's got a website now, you know. And you know, Notre Dame's this and Notre Dame's that, and and even stuff that we've written critical of the team. Like, look, this is why they have that narrative. Well, use all of it and use and it. This team just pissed off. I mean, just yeah. pissed off. What do you got to lose? Now, now do it disciplined. Right, you don't want them being over aggressive and making mistakes, but sure. but have. But them I think this team is smart a, enough. This team is smart enough that I don't think that that would be the case. Right, it's about a, a level of confidence that we are Notre Dame, and I don't mean that in the negative way that brought, drives me nuts about Brian. We're Notre Dame. We're just going to keep running the same plays over and over and over and over and over again. 
Um, that's not what I'm talking about. It's we're Notre Dame. We deserve your respect. And the fact that you don't respect us, we're, we're going we're gonna to show you. And if, you know, I'm hoping that he can press those buttons because that's, that's that edge you need. Because what I said, Vince, is I think Notre Dame is good enough for this to be a competitive game. Right. I think that they need to now prove that they're good enough to beat it. And that's where that extra little edge can be the difference sure. between a seven-point loss or a three-point win. And all I care about winning is – I don't care if it's by a point. Right. A, a win in this game is a win. And that's, oh, that's at the end be of huge. the day what matters. Yeah, no, no it would be huge. It'd be huge. And uh, unless you've got something else, Brian, I think oh, that's, buddy, that's it. I'm already okay. thinking about our prediction show we're going to do next, oh. and, and I'm still struggling with that. So Yeah, that makes two of us. I, I, I Head, heart, which, which way do you go? But uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Uh, make sure you check out the rest of our podcasts that we've put up this week, uh, all pertaining to the Alabama-Notre Dame clash that is coming on January 1st at 4 o'clock on ABC and in the Rose Bowl from Dallas. Weird. Can't get that out. Uh, so uh, that's going to do it. Like I said, make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com. We've got all kinds of great stuff over there. Tomorrow we will have our prediction show, which has yet to be written. We both are uh, – are, I'm not sure which way to go on this Depends one. on which film I'm watching. Man. It really I, changes from minute to minute. It's – we're gonna have we're gonna have a good discussion about that one. I can promise you that. So make sure you stay locked into that. Subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So you'll be notified every time we drop one. But uh, stay tuned for that one coming up. So for Brian Driscoll, I am Vince D'Addario, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>